0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. And we've been challenging you so far this Christmas break. Jeremy, come on down if you would. We've been challenging you every Sunday uh, with the idea of mission work and and introducing to you or, or reintroducing to you missionaries, people that have served overseas. You got it. Uh, and Jeremy and Jamie Phillips, who they're now with us doing adult ministry and discipleship, and Jamie was going to be here this morning. She's sick. I think their daughter Grace got sick last night, and so Jamie's on with them, but Jeremy's here this morning. They served in Indonesia for a number of years with IMB, uh, and I wanted him just to come this morning and talk for a few minutes about life in Indonesia, what the Lord's doing there, uh, how he's still at work. So tell us what it was like in Indonesia with IMB. I I was
1: fortunate. We got to serve, or I got to serve personally for about eight years in Indonesia. My wife was actually born and raised there. Her parents have been there her whole life, Um, so she looks like a little girl from Kentucky, but in her heart, she is Asian. Um, And in fact, when you invest in Lottie Moon, you might be investing in a future marriage because that's where I met my wife was in that country, and we had the opportunity to serve together. Um, I started off working in a university trying to reach uh, college students who were there on campus in in kind of a fanatic area, to be honest. After that, did some community development work trying to help um, people get access to clean water because a lot of the infant mortality that we see has to do with parasites and just unsanitary conditions. So we worked with that and then finally worked with churches. So I got to see um, kind of a broad spectrum while I was there.
0: Yeah, one of the things we do at Rosemont, if you're new visiting with us, is we send a lot of people out into the world uh, here in LaGrange Georgia, all around the world on mission trips, and we've got, I think, 17 or 18 planned for next year all around the world, but we continue to challenge people to go do short-term trips because they make a difference. Tell us the importance uh, in Indonesia, but just IMB, International Mission Board at large, why short-term trips are so important for people.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sometimes we think, like, why, why would a bunch of Americans go to a country where they don't speak the language, they don't know the culture, and the truth is, is because that's what Jesus has called us to do. That, that's the, the great commission, that we take the gospel to, to all the earth. And in fact, many people don't know, but right now the largest uh, church planning movement, which is 100,000 people strong, or probably more by now, uh, was started by a short-term uh, guy who went over there and, and just as boldly as he could shared in broken English with a guy he met who was a gangster. He came to faith and then just is now leading one of the, the largest church planting movements. And so you can make an impact in that. But ultimately, it's about this. We've been called to take the gospel to the nations. That's what Jesus called us to do. So we're either being obedient or we're being disobedient. And so we, I hope that you'll accept that calling.
0: Yeah, one of the things we talk about over Christmas is Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We give money. Uh, and 100% of the money you give for Lottie Moon goes overseas to a missionary. Tell us why Lottie Moon was so important to you guys when you were in Indonesia, the mission fund that came.
1: In a practical sense, um, I never, during that eight-year period, had to worry about uh, raising funds. We work with a lot of different organizations while we're there, and, and a lot of their time is spent like making sure that, that money is coming in so that they can do the ministries that they do. But we, uh, with the International Mission Board, do not think about that at all. We focus solely on ministry. Um, and, and just to, to bring it to the truth of God's Word, one of the most haunting verses for me, even to this day, is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe unless someone shares and how will they share? Wait, how will they believe unless someone preaches and how will they preach unless someone sins? And we have that obligation to send missionaries uh, to serve the nations.
0: Yeah, so great opportunities upcoming for you to go short term trips. We'd love to talk to you about longer term opportunities. That's something the Lord uh, calls you to do. Or you know what? If you never get on a plane in your life, there are people in Troop County that need the gospel. And you can do it here. Okay, we need missionaries and missional people and people that think along those lines everywhere across the street around the world. Jeremy, thanks for being here. Let's thank him for what he did and what he's doing here at Rosemont right now. <laughs> One thing I failed to do at the 930 service, 945, so if you see these people, tell them. I forgot. We voted last week on John Oliver, and I've got it really, like really big written here at the top of my notes, and I completely forgot to do it last week. John Oliver passed overwhelmingly as our student minister. So John is now officially our student minister here at Rosemont. We're very excited to have him on board, and Kristen as well, and and their family, and look forward to what God's going to do through him for many years to come. Let me pray, and we're going to start. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here at this church. Uh, We thank you, Father, that you've stirred within the hearts of our people the desire to do more, to be more, Father, to go, to be challenged in their faith, not to be passive, but to be active, Father. Thank you for what you're doing, for what you're going to continue to do. Use us for the sake of your kingdom, Father. We're, We're vessels, that you fill with the power of the Spirit and send us out into the world. Lord, just allow us to figure out what you want us to do and do it. Thank you for our time now of study where we can open the truth of your word. time of praise and worship, Father, has already been great. I pray you'd speak to us this morning. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we can be convicted and changed and transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, obviously this is the Christmas season, a time where we get a little time off of work and spend time with family, a time where we can celebrate the birth of Christ, the ministry of his life, all he did for us. But as you're well aware in the society we live in, not everybody sees Christ in Christmas Not everybody sees the importance of the birth of Christ like we do. In fact, I was reading an article this week. I wanted to share it with you just to kind of challenge you a little bit. Here's what the writer said He said, The Christmas most people celebrate isn't about Christianity. He said, I want you to listen to what he says it's about capitalism attempting to reconcile the desire to sell everyone as much as possible with religious diversity. It's hardly about Jesus as much as it is about Santa and reindeer and elves that can be for everyone. It's about the dozens of of made-for-TV sitcoms with Christmas themes and whole scenes dedicated to making Santa-shaped cookies, the radio stations that turn over their playlists to Christmas music from Thanksgiving to New Year's, and the well-intentioned generic holiday cards that just happen to come in secular shades of red and green instead of blue and silver. I think he's right. I think we live in a society that, by and large, has taken Christ out of Christmas. So one of the things I feel like I ought to be doing for you is challenging you to be reminded, challenging you to remember the true meaning of Christmas. And so in order to do that, we've kind of set aside the last four weeks to talk about the incarnation of Jesus, God with us, the birth of Christ, His life here on earth, what He accomplished, what He did. We've been challenging you in your faith. We've been walking through various passages of Scripture to think about the life of Christ, about His birth, About all he accomplished. We're gonna do that again this morning, but we're gonna kinda back up to the beginning, all the way in Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus. And I want you to see within this text the message that we are given about Christmas and how God really uses a group of insignificant nobodies, (laughs) we'll get there in a second, to accomplish great things for the kingdom. So, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we have it on the screen for you to follow along with as well. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was the house of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, The time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now watch this. This is interesting. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Let's stop there for a second. I'm gonna give you a truth and I wanna walk back through it together. Truth number one. If we think about the message of Christmas, what Christmas is really about, all that Christmas does in our lives, and, and how the Lord leads us, the first truth is this number one, Christmas, first of all, gives us a picture of glory. One of the things we see in the Christmas story is the glory. Now, I want you to imagine this scene with me just for a second. I'm going to talk about shepherds in a second because most of us don't understand sheep and shepherds. Anybody in here a shepherd by trade? Okay, we don't understand, right? But these shepherds are out in their field... Bible says they're keeping watch over the flocks at night. They've probably got a little campfire going to stay warm. Maybe they've cooked their dinner. Kind of out of the blue, out of nowhere, these angels appear, and the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. The Bible isn't 100% clear, but we get this sense, and I'm going to back this up with some scripture from the Old Testament and the New Testament in a second. We get this sense that there are great amounts of light that just kind of shine around these shepherds. Now, in the first century, they weren't able to produce light like, like, like we are. Like you go home at night, you want light, what do you do? Clapper, right? Everybody got the clapper, the lights come on? I'm just kidding. You flip the switch. Or if you've got a modern house, you tell Alexa to turn the light. Whatever happens, you turn the lights on. It's a pretty simple process. You could pretty much create as much light as you want with electricity. We understand that. In the first century, not the case they had a little campfire. That's all they could do. So we get this sense that the glory of the Lord, the the light and the beauty of the Lord kind of shines all around them. In fact, it's so incredible. At the end of verse 9, we're told that they're filled with great fear. Like they've never seen anything like it. Now, if you were to kind of do a study of of the Old Testament and you would think about the, the glory, pull that first truth back up for me, if you would, please, a picture of glory. If you were to think about the glory of the Lord and what it means, oftentimes in the Old Testament especially, and even at times in the New Testament, oftentimes the glory of the Lord is demonstrated in great amounts of light. For example, the children of Israel have wandered through the wilderness They've been looking for the promised land. God has allowed them to kind of just flounder, and they're not there yet. And God speaks through Moses in Exodus 24, 15. I want you to listen to this. Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. And for six days, the cloud covered the mountain. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. Now listen, verse 17, Exodus 24. To the Israelites, these are the people that are surrounding the mountain, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Interesting. Great amounts of light, great amounts of power to demonstrate the glory of the Lord. Acts 26, verse 13, Paul is describing to King Agrippa his salvation experience. Listen to what he says. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. Again, the glory of the Lord displayed in light. Jesus in Matthew chapter 17 the Bible says he took Peter, James and John with him he led them on a high mountain by themselves and then in Matthew 17:2 there he this is Jesus was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke again to them and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Over and over and over in scripture, we see that the glory of the Lord oftentimes is demonstrated in great amounts of light. Now, the Bible tells us in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Right? We think about the heavens, if you think about the starlight and, and the moon. How, how many noticed the moon over the last couple of nights? Pretty bright, right? pretty incredible. Like The moon is an interesting thing. And if you think about it and, and, and you look at it and you study it, you understand that when the moon is full, that's the reflection of the sun on the moon. right? You get that. We know that. We learned that in probably fifth grade science. But it's always been interesting to me when there's a new moon, we don't see it at all. A full moon is bright. New moon, you don't see it all. You know why you don't see a new moon? Because it's up in the middle of the day. You would think, well, if the, if the moon is up in the middle of the day, you'd be able to see it. You can't see it. Why? sun's too bright, it outshines it, right? The, the glory of the Lord. I had, I had the opportunity just thinking about the beauty and the glory of the Lord and in his creation and in the heavens and in the sun and the moon and the stars. I, I went this a couple of months ago in September and I've told this story to some of you to Rocky Mountain National Park and I backpacked through the park for about six days. Incredible. Incredible experience. But we were able to get above the tree line several times and camp out above the tree line. If you ever camped above the tree line, It kind of is what it says. There are no trees there. There's not enough oxygen. It's too cool. And so trees won't grow. There's a little bit of kind of scrub brush and maybe a a, a little bit of grass in places. But where we camped out just at the peak of Longs Peak, which is the highest point in Rocky Mountain National Park, it looked like the moon. I'm not over exaggerating. There was just rock as far as you could see and it went up into the to the peaks of these mountains and up into Longs Peak. But the thing that just really stood out to me about that place is first of all the wind just blew the whole time. Always windy. But the sun just beat down on you. Right? There was no shade. You can't run under a tree. There are no houses up there. And I just was reminded of of the power of the sun and the brightness of the sun and the heat of the sun and, and the glory of the Lord just kind of shone all around us. That's what these shepherds are experiencing. They're seeing the glory of the Lord. They're seeing the power of the Lord. They're seeing the glory of the Lord is everywhere. Now, let's fast forward to 2018, almost 2019. We think about the glory of the Lord. We think about the shepherds. We think about all the angels did. And we're reminded of the importance as believers of remembering the glory of the Lord. That Christmas shows us a picture of the glory of the Lord. And so it becomes about us trying to figure out as believers how do we display the glory of the Lord to those around us. Now God may do incredible things. He may shine light around you tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow. Whenever you go back to work, Wednesday or Thursday of next week. You may walk into the office and oh. I think a light just kind of shines over you as you walk in And people recognize the glory of the Lord Probably not the way it's going to happen So what we begin to do as believers Is try to think to ourselves What can I do to display the glory of the Lord at work How can I be a light In the darkness, you understand How can I be love in the middle of hate how can I be truth in the middle of lies? Or how can I walk in in my place of business or school or what? How can I live to display the glory of the Lord? That's our calling. So let's continue. Let's see what the, what the angel says to these shepherds. Very interesting. Verse 10. We have it on the screen. And the angel said to them, right? So the glory of the Lord is around them, bright light. They, they see the power. They're afraid. Verse 9 says, so the angel says to them, fear not, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's important. If you're taking notes, you ought to circle and underline the word all. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, as if it weren't enough already, suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude, we don't know how many, a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred million, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, probably singing and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Here's the second truth. Christmas reminds us of the glory of the Lord, yes. But more importantly, number two, Christmas gives us a message of salvation. We're reminded of salvation in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something in verses 10 and 11 that's fascinating to me. Pull this back up if you would. Pull up verse 10. The angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for what? All the people. Go to 11. For unto, what's the word? You is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now we know this, right? We live in the... 2018. We've studied the Bible. We know that the message of the gospel is for all the people. But here's the thing: we need to understand. In the first century, shepherds—these people that tended the sheep—were looked down upon. We don't understand shepherds. We don't understand sheep. None of us have been shepherds. I don't think. I don't know if anybody here owned sheep. I've never owned a sheep. I've seen pictures of them. I've worn wool socks. That's about as close as I've ever gotten to a sheep. But we understand in the first century, these people lived this, right? And a shepherd in the first century was looked down upon. In fact, I I made a list here. I'm just going to read through my list so I don't miss it. The shepherds in the first century lived isolated from society, right? They were not close to anybody because they had to be out in the fields with their sheep. They were poor, uneducated, uncultured. Because of their job working so closely with animals, they were considered unclean. They were not welcomed in the local synagogues and not in the temple. Most people didn't trust shepherds. They were not allowed to testify in court. They were seen as heathen. They were the lowest of the low. So, so the, as, as bad as you can imagine it, they were about 20 feet below that. Nobody liked them. Nobody wanted to be around them. Nobody cared anything about them. And yet, and this is fascinating, pull verse 11 back up for me if you would please. The angel said, for unto who? You, shepherd. Now, this, this, this brings just a, a fascinating question to our mind. Right? We understand who Christ was. We understand all Christ did and what he accomplished. We understand salvation. He's the Messiah, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Why in the world would the Lord, when he gives the message of salvation to all the world, remember, it's to all the people, why wouldn't he give it to the kings and the rulers and the rich and the famous, why didn 't he go to the capitals of the world and allow the angel and the glory of the Lord to shone all around Rome and around King Herod and all the people that could actually do something with this knowledge here 's what one scholar said: He said, "We have royalty clothed in rags, majesty emerging in the midst of the mundane, eternity stepping into time." And the most prominent event in all of human history being noticed by no one but a handful of outcasts. It's a fascinating question. Why would the Lord demonstrate his glory and tell this story to the lowliest of the low? I think there's one very simple reason he did this. Because he wanted you to understand that no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how bad you feel or how low you may be in the eyes of other people or in society, the gospel and salvation is for you. You understand that? It's for everybody. It's the truth of the message of Christ for the entire world. Not given to kings, not given to rulers, not given to priests, not given to the Pharisees, given to the shepherds. So let's fast forward just for a second. I know in a congregation this size, and I I, I consider it a great privilege. I have the opportunity to speak with people on a regular basis about things they're dealing with and struggling with. I have the privilege of praying with people about issues they're dealing with. But I understand in a a church this size, there are all sorts of struggles and and issues. And and so maybe I'm talking to you just for a second. If I'm not talking to you, you pray for the person that I am talking to. But I just wonder, is there anybody here this morning that's ever kind of felt downcast or or isolated or forgotten? (laughs) Probably all of us, right, at some point. Anybody ever felt Unloved? Anybody ever felt like they weren't good enough? Anybody ever felt like people were looking down upon them? Anybody ever felt like they couldn't really accomplish anything, that nobody really liked them? right? This is the story of the shepherds. And yet God chose to speak to them, to give them the message. See, God has kind of made a habit really all through Scripture of using the worst of the worst, the lowliest of the low, to accomplish the greatest things for the sake of his kingdom. He's talking to you. Regardless of who you are, Regardless of what you may think about yourself, regardless of how you may feel, salvation is for all who would believe. And God says, listen, I've given you the message. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the King. Now, I want you to notice what the shepherds do, right? This is, this is really to me where the rubber meets the road. and We've got to kind of wind this thing down. I want you to notice verse 13. Suddenly, those with the angel multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now watch this. The angels went away from them into heaven, right? When they went away, verse 15, the shepherds said to one another, I can just imagine the you know, it's over and they're kind of looking at, like, what just happened? They said to each other, Let us, these are the shepherds, go over to Bethlehem, see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, watch 17. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Here's truth number three. Christmas reminds us to tell the world about Jesus. Christmas reminds us to tell the world about Jesus. Look at verse 17 and 18. Again, I want you to see this with your own eyes. Look at verse 17. When they saw it, right? So the shepherds say, listen, we got to go find this kid. Let's go find him. They find Mary and Joseph. They find the baby. When they see it with their own eyes, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. What does that mean? They told other people. They started telling other people, listen, you got to listen to what's going on. You got to hear about this kid this born. He said, king of kings. He's the Lord of the Lord. He's the Savior. Verse 18, look at what happens. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. These guys took very seriously their calling, very seriously what they had seen. And the very first thing they do after they see it with their own eyes is they begin to go into the world and tell others about the birth of Christ. I told our last service, and and, and and I've been kind of talking to the staff, our team, a little bit about this over the last week. The Lord's kind of working in my heart. You know how the Lord kind of plants a seed, and then he waters it, and maybe a few weeks later, he waters it again. And after a couple months, it grows. The Lord's doing something in my heart along those lines, really looking ahead to 2019 and this church. And there's just a lot of things that, that, that I'm kind of thinking through and praying through. But the word that he's given me, the word that he's given me that I can't get rid of and I keep thinking about it is action. Here's what I mean by that. I'm becoming, and I preached about this a few weeks ago and have talked about it, so this probably won't be a shock to you. I'm becoming more and more convinced that the American church, by and large, is passive in their faith. I think we're just passive. Now, I think a lot of people do things in private that are good. Maybe we're praying some, probably not nearly enough. Maybe we're studying our Bible some, not nearly enough. Maybe, maybe there's some private worship that's going on. All those things are good foundational they have to happen absolutely but i'm worried that beyond that i don't i don't think nearly enough people are even doing that but beyond that what action are we taking in the world to impact the kingdom of christ like what are we really doing like if i followed you around i'm not going to disclaimer don't don't look over your shoulder if i followed you around all week what sort of actions would i see in your life that demonstrated you're serious about the kingdom Flip it. If you followed me around all week, what sort of actions would you see in my life that demonstrated I was serious about the kingdom? I just fear we, we live in this world where Christianity has become more and more passive, less and less important. The things of the world are crowding in more and more, and we're not serious enough about our faith. These believers, these, these shepherds, these men who heard the, the gospel and saw the glory of the Lord were serious about their faith, so much so that they got up from seeing the baby, they went into the world and began to do something about it. I, I'm just not sure we're there anymore. I think far too many people are afraid to share, that they don't feel equipped, that they don't think they have enough time. But it's interesting to me these shepherds weren't part of a local church visitation program. Can you believe that? These shepherds weren't even trained in, in the faith evangelism strategy. These shepherds weren't even committed to learning Bible verses and, and, and studying them together. They just simply saw the truth of the gospel and were compelled to do something about it. What are we doing about it? You know, I, I tell myself this every every Christmas season, it, it, it kind of uh, seems more and more real to me. The old saying that time flies, you know, the older you get, time seems to go a little bit quicker. And that's been the experience of my life, especially with kids now, and, and many of you feel the same way. But every time we get out our Christmas stuff, we get it out Thanksgiving, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. that's kind of our day, that Friday. Get our tree set up, decorations. That's kind of our day. We spend the day decorating, kind of a family thing. We have a lot of fun. But I always, every time we begin to get the stuff out, I always think to myself, you know, it's gonna seem like tomorrow, and I'm gonna be putting all this stuff back in. We've got five or six weeks, and, and sure enough, here we are now just a couple of days before Christmas, and I'm thinking, where have the last three or four weeks gone? All of a sudden, it's going to be Christmas, then New Year, and then we're going to say, where did January go? Where did the, the spring go? Summer's over. We're starting school back. Right? Just things fly by. And I think if, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, if we're not alert and paying attention, we're going to kind of watch our lives just fly by, and we're going to be more and more passive about the gospel, and we're not going to do the things Christ called us to do. We're not going to be who Christ wants us to be. And we're not going to impact the world like these shepherds did because we're not serious enough about what we've seen to make a difference. Like that's the message of Christmas. It's a clear message. It's a clear calling. What are you going to do with it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. Lord Luke, in this case, the account of of the birth of Christ, Father, and and. The significance of the shepherd, Lord, the significance of using the lowly, of using the outcast, the importance of of demonstrating your glory, Father, of demonstrating your salvation, Lord, the the importance of of sharing our faith, of being active in our faith, not passive, Lord, of, of doing great things for the sake of the kingdom, Lord. I just pray over the next couple of days, Lord, we've got just a couple of days till Christmas. Remind us, Lord. Remind us not only of the, of the truth of this message, of the truth of what Christmas is about, but remind us, Lord, of our responsibilities, believers, to do more, to say more, to be bold in our faith. Lord, use us for the sake of your kingdom, and we'll praise your name for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. An opportunity for you to speak to me. Pray. You respond as we sing together.